Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. Listeners, and welcome to episode 27 of So Says Rick. This week we're going to do something different. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying we're going to do something different? Yes. I'm always the one that says that. I know. See, that's what makes it different right there. Oh, wow. This is so intricate. But what we're going to do is just talk about our moms. And this is really working out well because Mother's Day is in a couple days. It's almost like we planned it. What a coincidence. Really. So I'll start by telling you a little bit about my mom, Ruth. She grew up on the south side of Chicago. And, you know, we tend to think of the big city as it being like strangers. People don't know each other. They're anonymous. Right. But that's not at all how her neighborhood was. It was one of the Chicago neighborhoods that was really entrenched. So, you know, people would grow up and get married and move half a block from the house they grew up in. Right. And it was a community, too. You went to the neighborhood store. and Right. Right. And everybody knew everybody. And, everybody... and everybody's business. <laughs> exactly. My mom said when she was a teenager, you couldn't get away with anything because another mom was going to call your mom and tell. Right. So then when she married my dad, it was the 50s. They moved to the suburbs and started having kids. That's what you did then. That's right. But the suburbs were barely the suburbs at that point in that neighborhood, right? Well, yes, they moved into a brand new home and a lot of the homes were new there. So a lot of people didn't really know each other yet. And she didn't know anyone at all there. She was used to this neighborhood where they'd all grown up together. And you didn't just walk to the store. You got in your car and you drove to the grocery store, the dry cleaner. Exactly. So I think it was kind of isolating for her, especially when she started having kids. I have to say it was kind of the same way for my mom. My mom, Ginny, grew up in town. And I know it's small towns downstate Illinois. Which, you know, people like us from the suburbs tend to think, oh, it's all the same. Like if you live in only Illinois, it's the same as living on a farm. No, no, no. Just because you live in farm country doesn't make you farmers. And the farmers and the town people are two different things. So my mom, this city girl, we'll call her a city girl, (laughs) she moved to the farm. She didn't know anything about the farm. Although I do remember a story. She went hunting once with dad and his brothers, and she'd never been hunting before. And so this was all new to her. And at one point, one of the brothers was like, Jenny, you should shoot a gun. You've never shot a gun. And dad said, well, she'll never hit anything. He said, really? Well, throw your hat in the air and see if she can shoot it. She's not going to hit it. He threw his hat in the air. Boom, she blew it to bits. <laughs> but that still didn't make her a farm girl. That just got her some points with the family. Put some cred with that's, the brothers. That's right. So when she moved out to the country, she didn't know anybody, but the closest neighbor was a mile away. You know? Yeah, everything's so spread apart there. But neighbors there are really good neighbors. Actually, yeah. They, uh, Mom belonged to the Friendly Neighborhood Club. Which, by the way, broke up after a few years because they got in a big fight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my mom, when she first moved to the farm, tried to be helpful with the farm, the outdoor farm stuff. So she went out and drove the tractor one time. She took a turn too quick ran the hoe up on the tractor tire, almost ruined the hoe and the tractor tire. Dad said, 
Just go in the house. You take care of the kids and the house stuff, and I'll take care of the farming, which I think was what saved their marriage. <laughs> and she was good. She was a great manager of the house, wasn't she? They started with hardly any money at all. They just had enough money for one tractor, a few implements, and some money to run the house. And my mom kept a ledger of everything, and she was a coupon shopper, and she was so proud of how she could stretch a dollar, you know, to make it happen. And and that's how the, their first year, until they got the harvest, they didn't have any money. And then they started again the second year, and they did it. They did it. And then they started having kids. By the way, my mom was a preacher's daughter, so she was determined to not have kids too quickly. Because as she said, everybody's going to be counting on their fingers and toes to make sure there wasn't any funny business going on before the marriage. <laughs> so my sister was born a year and a half after they were married. That's in the safety zone. <laughs> I was born two years later, and then my brother five years later. Three kids on the farm. That's my mom. My mom started having kids pretty much. In fact, the first baby came almost exactly a year after their wedding. Right. And then she had she had us, boom, boom, boom. She had three kids in four and a half years. That makes me tired just thinking about oh it. Oh, my gosh. So, of course, she was a bit overwhelmed and exhausted. And, you know, Dad would go off to work, and she would be home alone with us all day. Right. I mean, again, it was the 50s. That was the model. But it was still challenging. Luckily, my mom was a Captain Friendly, sort of like your mom and you. Uh, where do you think I get it from? <laughs> and so she did make friends in the neighborhood, especially her really dear friend, Betty Blake. I think they kept each other... Sane, you can say it. Yes, they kept each other sane through the challenges of motherhood. And I was the third of those three babies. And the great thing was that I slept a lot. A whole lot. That's what I understand. I heard. I mean, sometimes dad would come home from work and mom would say, go up and check on the baby. I haven't heard from her in hours. <laughs> <laughs> so my family jokes that I was born behind on my sleep and I'm still trying to get caught up. And by that, she means today she's still trying to catch up. <laughs> I'm a good sleeper. Well, you can sleep 10 hours easily, I right? I can, yeah. Now, I, on the other hand, was a bit of a problem child because, and it's not my fault, don't judge me, but I had a problem with my esophagus. It would close up right before my stomach. And so whenever I ate, my esophagus would fill full of, well, milk, of course. And then as soon as it got full, I would projectile vomit. Every time mom fed me, she got so she would put down newspapers around my high chair because it was going to spew, you know. <laughs> it was the splash zone. <laughs> Just like SeaWorld. But it wasn't my fault because I had a physical problem. But it it was wearing on my mom because she said I cried all the time, all day. Well, I'm sure you were just starved. You could never get any food down. One would think so. But she said every time she took me to the doctor, that was when suddenly I would be laughing and giggling. And it's like when you take the car to the mechanic. And, and <laughs> it won't make that noise anymore. It won't anymore. make that noise anymore. I would giggle and laugh. And she's like, doctor, he cries all the time and he won't eat. He doesn't get any food. And he put, put me on the scales and say, well, he's gained almost a full pound. And so he finally gave my mom some medicine. And when she went to the pharmacy to get the prescription filled, she found out it was, and I'm making air quotes here, it was nerve medicine for her. For her, not for the baby. Right, right, right. right which really made her mad. 
But dad, like your dad, was outside working all day. He wasn't around one day, one rainy day. He was stuck in the house for several hours. And just those few hours with me crying all the time, he said, does he do this all the time? And mom goes, yes, every time. They went straight to the doctor. The doctor gave me some medicine. They found out what it was, gave me some medicine. They put drops under my tongue that would relax my esophagus. And ever since then, I was pretty much the perfect child. (laughs) Well, I bet your mom would have some stories to tell you Uh, otherwise. I dare say that it's helped me transform into being the perfect husband, (laughs) (laughs) too. And I'd have some stories about that. (laughs) The thing is, when you get married and have kids... It's like you just can't envision it before you do it, really. Right, but it doesn't stop you from getting married because we did get <laughs> right. married anyway because we were in love. Right. People do it all the time. We're idiots. We have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> and yet we get married and have kids. When we got married, kind of like my mom, I moved someplace different shortly after we got married. We moved to L.A. because I had a TV series. Which is the way to go to L.A. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. If you're going to come to L.A., I'd get a TV series first and then move there. It's great. <laughs> but, you know, my family wasn't super happy about it that I oh, moved 2,000 no, miles away. They were thrilled that you married an actor who had a job. Right. <laughs> but 2,000 miles away. That's true. That's true. So we were here for a while. We were both focused on our careers, and uh, Rick was working more than I was. And we were sort of doing that thing of we're going to wait for the perfect time to have a baby. Well, there's no such thing. No, no. We kept waiting. Finally, five years into it, we're like, I think we should just do this. (laughs) Let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah, because there's never a perfect time. So our first baby, Eva, when, when I went into labor with her, I had a rather long difficult labor. That is an understatement. (laughs) 32 hours, and then it ended in an emergency C-section. She started about 1 a.m. on Sunday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and the baby, Eva, was born Monday. On Monday morning. 10 o'clock. Once we got to the hospital, (laughs) Laura was so exhausted at one point. Do you remember what she said? Yeah, I was about 20 hours in. And uh, <laughs> you, had, you had no idea you had another 12 hours to go. And I said, Rick, let's just go home and I'll come back and finish tomorrow. Like I could just leave my labor at the hospital, go home and rest up and then come back. And here I am. What do I say? I'm like, well, let me go talk to a nurse and see what she says. <laughs> Luckily, she had a couple contractions but before I got back and then she had forgotten she even said that. Right. But. Rick had a job on Monday morning. Oh, I was going to shoot my first episode of Seinfeld, and I didn't know what to do. So Sunday afternoon, I called the first AD, the assistant director, and said, "Uh, my wife is in labor. She's going to have the baby. I don't know what to do. And I assumed they'd just replace me. And she was so sweet. She said, you stay with your family. You have that baby. And once you've had the baby, call us. We'll bring you in and shoot your scene. And I did. Me and the baby, exhausted, passed out. Well, you were exhausted, too. You hadn't gotten much sleep, either. Man, I could barely concentrate on my scene, but I had important dad stuff to do. Right. So after that, Rick was mostly working. I was mostly home with the baby. It was working great. And then I got the opportunity to audition Whose Line Is It Anyway? Which, you know, I'd done tons of improv back in Chicago, and I thought, I can do this. 
Plus, I got to audition with Wayne Brady and Brad Sherwood, and we all three got hired. Yeah, you kind of stacked the deck on that one, didn't you? (laughs) We all made each other look good, right? That's right, that's right. And it was only six episodes. Right, and, you know, we really didn't know if it was going to continue after that. I mean, it was sort of a weird concept for a show. Right. And so after we shot it, I didn't really hear anything, and I thought, oh, well, you know, that's, that's that. We got pregnant again. We got pregnant. (laughs) And then, sure enough, I got a call saying we got picked up for another season of Whose Line. And I said, by the time we shoot, I'm going to be pretty darn pregnant. Right. And they said, that's fine. That's great. Matter of fact, Laura would be in reruns, and an episode would come back where she was pregnant, and people would ask us, how many kids do you have? (laughs) It was one pregnancy. Like, you don't have to get pregnant every time there's a rerun. (laughs) (laughs) So we were finishing up the season in January, and then we had one live gig. It was going to be Drew Carey and the cast from Whose Line and me, and we were going to play for Super Bowl Sunday in Vegas. But it was the very end of January, and the second baby was due beginning of February. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) Yeah, but... My husband's coming along because I'm not going to drive out the... Oh, you couldn't fly. I couldn't fly. They don't let you fly when you're that pregnant. Because when you're that big, you might pop like a balloon. (laughs) So I had to drive, which meant that Rick had to come, which meant that Eva had to come. And you know, Vegas with a two-year-old and being eight and a half months pregnant really isn't that fun. Oh, man, that's a definition of fun in my book. (laughs) Plus, our room was a really special room that time. Right. So it's the only time this has happened. The room had a hot tub, a round bed. And what was over the bed, honey? (laughs) And mirrors over the bed. Like, the last thing I wanted to see was my giant tummy in a mirror. No, you were beautiful, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We even had a doctor sort of on call in Barstow in case I went into labor during the drive from Vegas back to L.A. But luckily, it didn't happen. We made it back home, and she was born eight days later. The fantastic thing about the timing of it was that Whose Line didn't go back to work for like seven more months. So I got to stay at home with the kids. Rick was working a fair amount that Mm -hmm. spring and summer, so it was great. And I had all this time to be a stay-at-home mom. What a luxury. And then you got called to work. Yes. How was that? So then in October, we went back to work. And the transition, you know, going from full-time mom with a toddler and an infant where you barely get a shower, you know, and you're you're in sweats all the time, to now being on camera on a TV show in hair and makeup and trying to look your best. It was a weird transition, I I'll, must say. I'll bet. I'll bet. And you know what's interesting now? When we teach, sometimes young people will ask us, very often young women yeah. will ask us, How do you do it? How do you juggle being parents and being performers, full-time performers at the same time? And the answer is actually quite simple. We've got no idea. No idea. Really? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how we did it. We were flying by the seat of our (laughs) pants. We still are. We don't know what we're doing. Right. And, you know, I have so much respect for all the different ways people work it out to try and balance work and family, careers, creative lives. I have so much respect for it all because we're all kind of making it up as we go. I do have one word of advice for young parents. Never let your kids know that you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) 
Every parent doesn't know what they're doing when they start, and they just do it. So don't let them know. Well, they're going to figure it out once they're teenagers anyway. Oh, yeah, you don't know anything then. (laughs) But then when they turn 20, they turn back around and they start thinking you're smart again. Yes. And, you know, we had a huge advantage because we each had moms who loved us, and we always knew that we were loved. That's right. And... We did okay with our kids, you, you know. They're they're fabulous young women now, and I'm very proud of them. And I wasn't perfect. Our moms weren't perfect, but our homes were full of love, that's and that's right. the important part. That's right. So I would like to take this opportunity to say Happy Mother's Day to my mom and your mom and all the other women who have mothered us over the years in sweet and loving ways. Mm-hmm. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. That was a different episode, wasn't it? It was. See? I was right. Great.